Hey everyone, hello. Uh, welcome back to Skates at the Stakes, the podcast about the New York Islanders. Um, this is Ryan, aka Rat Martin, on Twitter. I'm taking over hosting duties from AJ tonight. AJ's out on vacation, so we hope he's enjoying himself for as much as he can with the Islanders on their current losing streak. Uh, we have a guest tonight. Very, very happy to introduce our guest for the podcast. Uh, we have Stats by Zach on Twitter, close personal friend of the pod, Zach, uh, the man of a million Zachs. Zach, how you doing, pal? I'm great. Uh, it's great to be here, making my my debut on a pod I've listened to so much, and it's an honor to finally get the call up. Absolutely. We want to have you on for some summer episodes and stuff, but we just kind of didn't go the guest route the summer because nothing was happening, and we fell down the rabbit hole of drafting Old Islanders to fill time. But um, <laughs> now that the season started and we've kind of had this guest month of uh, November that we've been having some guests on, we thought no better time than the present uh, to have Zach on. So um, awesome to have you, buddy. Yeah, great to be here. And and I was just telling uh, them there's, there's not going to be a lot of stats by me tonight because of the NHL API change. I've been working hard to get my uh, my data back up and running. So for for those followers that are listening to this, just know that it's probably coming soon. I was just working during the game. So uh, so yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the stats by Zach have been great insights for the Islander Twitter community. Sometimes I'll take uh, I'll take the screenshots from Zach's tweets and post them in a Discord server, and everyone will be like, "Ryan, Ryan, where are you finding all this data?" And I'll be like, "Oh, follow Zach Stats by Zach on Twitter," and they'll be like, "I'm a Bruins fan. I don't need to follow that." And then I'm like, "Oh, well, all right, that's that's <laughs> moment. But uh, anyway, so basically, uh, the Islanders. Uh, one point out of the past three games. Oh, oh, two and one. Jake, I'll pass it over to you, pal. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I mean, the three losses are never fun, but it's a great time to talk to Stats by Zach, someone I was very fortunate to meet a few weeks ago, uh, someone who I've been following for a long time, and uh, if I ever need to reassure myself that Pierre Engvall is hashtag good, I just look at the old Stats by Zach, and I am correct, as always. Um, we'll get into right. Engvall, we'll get into a lot of stuff, but I'm very happy to have him on. Um not very happy to talk about the Islanders, but we have to do it, unfortunately, and uh, we'll get into everything. It's good to be here. Yeah, that's that's the bummer. I was begging them mentally and pleading with them to get a win tonight because I really don't like doing podcasts like this. But, hey, you know, when we go back and listen to this after the parade, we'll, we'll be like, hey, th- this was a fun ride. Um, not really, but we'll take it back. Um, so we could start at any of the games, really, but let's do them chronologically. So taking us back to Saturday, November 4th, against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, this was the game that kind of made me think, oh, this would be a good week to get Zach's on, Zach on because we were playing the uh, the Corsi K themselves uh the men of 100 shot attempts the carolina hurricanes and the islanders had a pretty good effort in this one they went up three nothing and then um the bottom fell out and the carolina came all the way back and beat us jake do you have the game breakdown um in front of you yeah i'm pulling it up right now uh obviously um saturday night against the carolina hurricanes at ubs arena uh, a lot of early home games this year obviously we're on the road tonight but i mean that was only our fourth road game this year. We've been at UBS Arena a lot. Um, goaltending matchup was Antti Ranta um, versus Ilya Sorokin. Um, first period, um, pretty, I mean, the Canes had a pretty good first period with three minutes left. Uh, Noah Dobson got his third of the year, um, assisted by Bo Horvat and Matt Barzell. Really, really nice goal um, by Noah Dobson. Uh, we'll get into him as well and how good he's been this year, but... Um, Assist by Horvat and Barzell. I think this is their this was their best game together collectively. 
um, and Dobson with his third goal. So one nothing at the end of one. Shots were 13-11 Hurricanes. On the second period, Simon Holmstrom with his first shorthanded goal. He had a second as well. We'll get into that. Uh, that was assisted by JGP, his third of the year. Really nice goal by Simon Holmstrom. And like I said, third of the year. A few minutes later, Matt Barzell with his second. Very nice play by Bill Horvat And Ryan Pulak also picked up assist on that for Barzell's second. 3-0. Uh, surely they kept this lead. Um, a minute later, Jalen Chatfield with his first of the year, assisted by Jordan Martinuk and Jordan Stahl to make it 3-1 at the end of the second period. Shots were 13-8 Hurricanes that period. And the third period, everything fell apart. Uh, with eight minutes to go, Dimitri Orlov scored his first of the year, assisted by Jesperi Kakiyanemi and um, Andrei Sveshnikov to make it 3-2. Um, and then three minutes later, with about four minutes to go on the power play, uh, Jesperi Kakiyanemi got his fifth. That was assisted by Sveshnikov, so those guys were clicking. So going overtime, uh, another blown lead, which would be a pattern. Uh, shots were 19-5 that period. Um, Honor started off well in overtime, couldn't have capitalized. Other way, Sebastian Ajo scored the Hurricane Sebastian Ajo to clarify, because of course I have to clarify it. His second of the year, that was assisted by Martin Natchez and Brady Shea. Shots were one each in that overtime, and in total, shots were 46 25 Hurricanes. Canes out face off the Honors 35 31. We were 0 for 1 on the power play. Uh, Iris Rookin got 42 saves in the loss. Uh, they picked up the point, but not one. You want to get two in that one. You had a 3 nothing lead um, halfway through the second period at home. You're going to want to hold that one. And they didn't. It's good that they got a point, but you really wanted that other one. Um, really good game of the first line. And um, Simon Holmstrom, um, not so good game of the second line. And um, a few of the defensemen. Um, I missed parts of this game. It was my grandfather's 90th birthday, so I was kind of watching an MSG I don't know what the app is called. Now, it used to be MSG Go. Now, I think it's called um, MSG Plus. I guess the app is MSG Plus, too. Yeah. I have a few choice okay. words for that app. It's, but I'll it's save not it. great, but we'll, yeah. we'll get to that no. later. And, yeah, <laughs> I, I actually was thinking about saying some stuff about that app as well tonight. Uh, but yeah, no, good good breakdown, Jake. I mean, again, we were on cloud nine the first two periods. It, fe- it felt like we solved the Canes problem, and then we turtled again in the third period, which is. Really frustrating, and it was the thing that lost us the last game of last season. Like, I know people will blame Adam Pellick to death for that turnover in overtime, but like the real kind of culprit of the Islander season ending last year was just not playing with bravery or any courage in the third period and getting hemmed in until Carolina scored a game a goal to send the game to overtime. And that that was a brutal moment. But yeah, through like most of the game, we were keeping up with Carolina. They were taking a ton of shot attempts, but they were low danger. And then, you know, it it just felt like when it was raining, it was pouring. The Canes came all the way back, stormed back unironically, but really annoying. Um you know, we kind of, we turtled. A lot of people blame Lambert for this one. I would blame Lambert as well. I thought, you know, I thought some of the changes or the adjustments he was making felt like we were going for the, going for the kind of like holding out until Carolina's, you know, ran out of time rather than us taking the game. But it, it was a really frustrating game. Zach, any observations on your end on this one? Yeah, uh, you brought up the uh, the low danger shots, which I think is... Uh is an important people were were kind of losing their minds about the 101 shot attempts which they were talking about Corsi so like block shots too which I personally don't like 
put a ton of stock into. And I mean, even just like looking at the shot map, like for for their unblocked shots, a ton of them were coming from the blue line. Nothing crazy to worry about. Um, so that got blown out of proportion a little. I mean, granted, they did also crush us and expected goals and Fenwick shots that game. But the 101, I think, got a little blown up. Um, but yeah, just everything you said, too. I mean, I mean, just the blow up in, in the third or, or the the end was it's tough to see and and this team is not like uh holding leads at all and it's it's that's probably the most frustrating part yeah it's it's got to be the blown leads and that we'll get into the conversation whether that's on coaching or if it's is it the pilot or the passengers on the plane who are to blame it for that but we'll get into that in a little bit but it's just you know this game triggered a lot of people into like some pretty you know Borderline, borderline crazy reactions online. Um, my my initial take was like, keep a level head. It can only get better this week. Spoiler alert, it didn't get better this week. But like, you know, I thought keep a level head. We'll see where we go. Um, but we went through the next few days. Um, no real changes going into the game on uh, Tuesday against the Minnesota Wild. Or actually, was Horvat Horvat was hurt in the Canes game, correct? Yeah, he blocked the yep. shot. Um... Yeah. And he's played the rest of the game. Um, so, you know, I thought there wouldn't be a problem, but he was hurt and missed the wild game, unfortunately. But Pellick did come back that game. And yep, we were yep. there. Yeah, we were there at the Minnesota Wild game. Me and Jake went, uh, you know, game time decisions, much like Bo Horvat, but we actually went to the game. And uh, we decided, yeah, we're going to go. And, uh, you know, it was a good decision at the beginning. Uh, well, I guess not the very beginning of the game. No, no. But we, we wound up going into uh, Jake's favorite parking lot. The garage at UBS Arena. Uh, he found parking on Facebook, so we went to the game together. Sat up in a friend of the program clockwork seats. Had some fun. Took a took a seat. Enjoyed the first two periods. Third period, not so much. But uh, Jake, do you have the breakdown for the wild game in front of you? Yeah, um, the UBS Arena, like we said, uh, going to take a matchup with Mark Andre Fleury versus Semyon Varlamov, which was his first home game of the year. Um, and uh, you know. He sat down, 19 seconds in. Pat Maroon uh, got his second of the year. Really weak start for the game. I thought Pulak should have stepped up there. Uh, but, you know, a few faults can go around there. Um, that was assisted by Jacob Middleton and Joel Erickson Eck. Um, then, you know, they played a little better after that. And uh, really good four-track by Casey Zizekas. Got it over to Kyle Clutterbuck to pass it to Noah Dobson for his fourth of the year. Uh, with nine minutes to go, they made it 1-1. Shots that period were 9-6 Minnesota. Second period, we got a power play, um, and Walsh made a nifty little move and actually scored his first of the year. Um, that was assisted by Sebastian Ajo and Pierre Engvall, which put a smile on my face. And then with eight minutes to go, Vinny Latiri, um, with his first of the year, that was assisted by Matt Boldy and Brock Faber. Uh, this is a little bit of a viral clip going around because Vinny Latiri's grandfather was doing um, an interview with the Wild announcing crew, and he scored. So it's a pretty cool moment for them, not for me. Um, third period, actually, sorry, shots that period were 15 12 Islanders. And the third period, um, the Dobson power play or penalty, which was I thought was a bad call, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Kuro Kaprizov scored in a one timer that was assisted by Marcus Johansson and Matt Zuccarello. And a minute later, Pyang Vol uh, got the puck, he skated back, kind of holding it. He got pressured by Pat Maroon, was thrown right from him, really dreadful turnover, passed it to a wide open Joe Erickson that for his seventh of the year. To end the game at 4-2, pulled our goalie, 
uh, on a penalty we had. So the six on four really didn't do anything. Really looked uh, uninspiring. Um, so that was the game. Shots with 10-8. This is two straight times I've been to an Islander Wild game, and it's been the most deflating crowd I've ever seen. They went last year. Um, they played, It was like one nothing through two and a half periods, and then they let up two softies, and the crowd was dreadful. And then we got Bohorvat. And then today, um, not today, Monday, Tuesday, whatever it was, it was really deflating in the crowd. A few losers chanting that Lambert should be fired and Lou should be fired. I didn't take part in that. Um, just, just enjoy the game, I beg. But yeah, that was that. Um, probably a game they should have won. They were dominating. They probably won that game with Bo Horvath in. Um, but yeah, disappointing. And they just can't beat the Wild ever. Yeah, I mean, one thing that kind of came out this one, and well, well, yeah, I guess first off, the fire Lou and fire lane thing is so you know you can have that opinion as a direction for the franchise. But God, don't don't make us look bad. Like it's so lame starting that chant when you're like in the middle of the league. Like that's something that the Canucks fans did last year when the team had like two points through ten games and they were throwing jerseys on the ice. To have the same people that are uh, throwing the big parade when we win also come out and do the fire Lou fire lane, and they couldn't even get the chant going for Lou. For Lane, they got a lot more love for the crowd, but for Lou, everyone was like, "Eh, what, what, what are we doing here?" And then they said fire lane, and everyone in the crowd was like, "Oh." Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And they start going along. I didn't go along with it. I know Jake and are also friend of the program. I got Isles who we were at the game with did not say anything. Uh, but like, you know, completely, completely reasonable response. You can want the GM change. You can want a change of direction in the franchise. I'm not going to hold that against you. Um, I'm not going to hold a, you know, wanting a coaching change against you. We'll get into a greater coaching kind of discussion once we're done with the games here. But like overall, whatever direction you want the franchise to go, you know, vote vote with your wallet. Don't go to the game. Don't don't go to the game if you have that opinion. Don't don't come to the game just to scream at the coaching GM because you're not really contributing or sharing your good time with everyone. Uh but you know, on the another note, like a brighter note, Wallstrom scored. That was good. Ollie played good. I think Ollie threw two games this series, or the past two games, we'll get into the Boston game, and it's been fine. Um, you know, it's been a youth movement with the Islanders because the veterans aren't scoring, so the younger guys are kind of coming through, which is nice. So it was good to see Wallstrom perk up. But, you know, Minnesota plays a style of hockey that's very similar to the Islanders. And, you know, one thing Lambert said after the game was we had a parade to the penalty box where it was just penalty after penalty after penalty. Uh, but the Wild in the second period did the same exact thing. And we just didn't capitalize on a lot of power plays. Uh, I think we wound up with four power plays in the second period. I'm double checking that now. Uh, but, you know, we had power plays. We had opportunities. Let's see. So in the second, we had one, two, three. Yeah, we had three. All right, so we had three penalties in the second. Or Nope, that's four. We had four penalties in the second, and we only capitalized for a goal on one of them with our second unit at the death, So, which was a goal completely made by Engvall. So that's that's kind of the take there. We probably should have put some of those power plays away earlier before it came back to bite us. And then the Engvall mistake at the end of the game, uh, we'll talk about the benching implications in a minute. That was one of the most brain-dead Islander plays I've seen in a while. That was Sashnikov level of stupid, but... You know, he was trying to make a play. He's a, he's been treated like a top six player, and he's trying to make a top six player play, and it blew up in his face horrendously. Um, but yeah, Zach, I'll kick it over to you. Uh, I don't want to waffle about this game. It was frustrating in person, but on TV, how did it look? Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, same thing you guys are saying. Really, uh, 
And, and Jake, I was also actually at that wild game uh, a year ago, too. And they do just seem to be the most deflating losses of all time. I mean, I I don't know. Like you said, Wallstrom getting one is finally uh, good to see. I mean, as a guy who came into training camp saying he's he's on a different level this year, he's just going to relax and play. He sure has been, you know, disappointing in preseason and in the few reps he did get. So seeing him get one, I mean, I'm always rooting for the guy. He's 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 good. I I think he's got some potential in him, but I I don't know where his role exactly is on this team now. But e- either way, just a guy that I I genuinely root for. Um, in the Engvall mistake, yeah, um, it, it was bad, and I you guys all know I'm the biggest Engvall defender of all time. I I love the guy. I think. His contract is one of the best in the whole nine yards. Like, I, I, you know how much I like him. But, yeah, just a terrible play. And I'm sure we'll talk way more about the benching, which I I still can't really, you know, wrap my head around. But, again, like you guys said, um, just not not exactly the best game ever. And, and with the missed opportunities with the power plays, it's another frustrating one for sure. Who wants a yeah, fun... A fun stat that's not so fun. Let's Is hear it. Is it by Zach? The Islanders are on a six-game losing streak against the Wild. The last win was December 29, 2019, and Matt Martin and Tom Kunakel scored in that game. So did Ryan Pulak. So. Pretty good. That's the last time he beat the Wild, which is embarrassing, but, you know, they just can't that's beat him. Six? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty dreadful. For a mid-team, too. Yeah, uh, they're, they've been a lot of times compared to, like, Islanders West Coast, which is, I think, fair sometimes. I, but yep, yep, I can see They it. play very boring, sluggish, not even structured, really. That I wouldn't even say they're well-coached, but, like, low-event games. And uh, Kirill, Kirill Kaprizov is pretty fun to watch, and uh, they kind of hold him back a little bit, I think. But it's, it's whatever. This is a Minnesota wild podcast and um you know the stat statistic statistician uh the stat nerds for the minnesota wild are not on this podcast um <laughs> but yeah that took me a minute to get out but um anyway i think that's kind of the perfect transition into the like lane lambert it, it's kind of like that vince mcmahon meme where he's like oh 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 uh, and he's getting hotter and hotter as the as the meme goes on but like you know uh, lane lambert's seat's gotten continuously uh, more hot throughout this episode if you haven't noticed uh but then he makes kind of the damning mistake to many people i i, I really tried to islanders brain this one and i i kind of got it from an accountability standpoint but lane lambert bent his peering ball and zach i'm gonna give you the floor right now from an analytics perspective why is it bad to bench peering ball <laughs> i generally when your best offensive line on the team uh you when you have a guy on that line you got to bench him for one single mistake uh to to derail the chemistry of of your best line i think that's coaching 101 uh is that when when you're in especially in a spot where the islanders are right now um i i mean another thing that i can get into is is a we are kind of picking up points i mean there are games again that we're like we're losing. We're taking them to overtime and and losing there. So we are getting like overtime points, but uh, still, this team is not obviously in the best spot ever. And I don't think it's the time to like teach a lesson. I, I guess I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's 
it's the smartest idea to bench a guy on on that line. I mean, I can talk about how well they're playing this year all I want, and it's uh, I get there is kind of some maybe uh, I didn't know if they were going to keep up their pace that they were playing at towards the end of the year in the playoffs last year, but they kind of started clicking instantly this year too. So it kind of shows like, all right, this this line isn't just a fluke. Like this this is a really really good line, and I just don't think breaking it up for any reason, let alone a. Uh, you know, like you can call it one mistake. Obviously, it was a pretty big one, but still, I just don't think benching Engvall um, is a smart move at all there. <laughs> and I mean, he, besides trying to remove the bias here, I just really can't understand it either. I mean, he's been playing so well. It's just, it, it's, it's a head scratcher a little, but I don't know. It's also that he had an assist right before he did it is the part I like, even if I'm trying to like Islander brain the hell out of it, I can't get my head around because he had an assist about three minutes or, you know, a, a literal quarter or a period right before he made his mistake. It's a bad mistake. It killed the game for the Islanders. Their momentum died after that. Um, in person, it was brutal. I mean, I already did this Sochnikov reference. My thing was kind of like, I wouldn't have taken Engvall out of the lineup. I wouldn't have broken up the second line, even though I think at some point I would have liked to have seen Anders Lee with Brock at some point this season, just to see if that gets Lee going. Uh, we saw it tonight. It did not, so I've seen it. I don't need to ask for it anymore. Um, but, like, you know, the, the second line was so good in terms of underlying numbers throughout the season so far and chance generation and just goals for percentage. By any model you look at, and Engvall is such an undervalued player in this league, it really sucks that you have to healthy scratch him within the start of his contract. But from an accountability perspective, like I, I get the argument where Engvall will tidy up his mistakes before Anders Lee and Matt Martin gain a step back. Um, that was the perspective I decided to look at it from um, kind of throughout the day. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Maybe maybe they're able to beat the Bruins without Angball. But, um, yeah, they probably should have played Angball, even though if this game was kind of a loss going up against a team like the Bruins. But, Jake, I'll, I'll give you props. You immediately pushed back on me when I was saying, like, yeah, let's, let's um, you know, let's see what happens here. You knew this was a bad decision. What do you think about the Angball scratch? Listen, I, I'm – I love accountability. There's nothing more I love more than accountability, but this was a wrong decision. It's just you see this happen. You saw this happening from a million miles away, that it just wasn't going to work out, especially uh, like a team against Boston. You need that transition game. You need that speed, and you bench him. And there's just other guys that should have been benched before him. Like I, I understand you want to make an example, and Pierre Engvall is a good guy to make an example out of, but it just didn't work out. Uh, obviously, Anders Lee was in that spot tonight. I didn't think he was horrible, um, but that line was um, outshot 11 to four. Wasn't good defensively. Didn't really generate anything on offense. I know Nelson scored, but that was on the power play, and they were a minus three tonight. It just it didn't work. They're a top five analytical line in hockey right now in terms of actually. I mean, this was a week ago. I could have gone down, but they're a very good line. They're the perfection line. They haven't. They've had a few bad games, but. It shouldn't be broken up. It was a dumb decision. And then Lane's out here in press conference saying, oh, I don't know why they why <laughs> they were this bad tonight. I, it's, it's crazy stuff. I wonder stuff. why. I, I really, it's the hot dog meme. <laughs> he's <laughs> doing hot dog guy, guys. He's, he's once uh, again doing hot just, dog guy. Pure Angle's on pace for 60 points. Like, don't, it's it's dumb. I, ho I hope this is it. Like, lesson learned. 
it'll get Pierre. And Pierre doesn't really turn the puck over a lot. That was just really dumb. And I think that you could have just benched him like they did and moved on. Hopefully he's learned this lesson and the Lions and he's a capital killer. He needs to be back on that second line on Saturday. And hopefully I, he's just it's, he's it's also for what it's worth, I mean, I hate to to be the like like start of the season doesn't matter, but like it, it's November. I, like, do we really have to be proving these points? Or like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they could have had a talk about it or something. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just still, I, I just really can't wrap my head around healthy scratching a guy just like for for a mistake like that. I mean, a, a mistake's gonna get made every single game. Obviously, not to the degree of that most of the time, but. I don't know if that's Lane's way of disciplining. I, I guess that's him. I mean, I we don't know what goes on in the locker room, but it just from the outside, it, it just seems like a a head scratcher to me. I, I don't. I definitely do not get it. But it's over, and like you said, we definitely just need him back for uh, for Washington. And you, and you're making him look bad. Like not a lot of fans love Pierre Engvall, and now the casual fan doesn't understand what Pierre Engvall does. Are seeing this, we're like, oh, okay, he has a seven-year contract and he's already getting healthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah the second yeah. in the second month of year number one, like, that's a concern. It was dumb. I'm gonna get into Lane in a little bit because there's there's a lot of opinions right now, and the fucking socks and all of it. It's oh, we do have to get into the socks. The socks, yeah. Yeah. Sock. Yeah. We, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, we could do. Uh, let, let's just, yeah, we could kind of sum the Boston game into the greatest. Because my my personal Langball theory that I've been um, kind of pocketing all day is that he's coming from a losing culture in Toronto, and he did not respond well to Lambert's intense practice on Monday. And by not responding well to the practice on Monday, uh, Lambert decided to bench him. So that's that's my new big brain take that I've been working on today. Um, the Islanders also played like a bunch of losers tonight, so that, that was proven wrong very quickly. Um, but, yeah, uh, Dick, you have the Boston game in front of you. I feel like that's a pretty quick summary because, like, we just outplayed them but still got our butts kicked. Um, uh, the it, good news is we won the XG. Uh, the bad news we is we killed them in the XG. We, we, we did so. We were expected to win this game like seventy percent of the time. We well, won it's the funny because the XG we only won by point oh one. But I thought I thought we played well today. I mean, is that counting the, the empty net? That might be counting. I, I guess it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. I, went, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> Just yeah. It's whatever. It's, whatever. It's, um. Yeah, I mean, you can't take penalties against... But before I even break it down, you can't take penalties against Boston. Um, and then they made that evidently clear. They went two for three. But yeah, TD Garden against the 10-1-1 Boston Bruins. Um, Linus Olmark was in that against Ilya Sorokin. Um, six minutes in, Trent Frederick scored his third of the season, assisted by Charlie Coyle and James Van Riemsdyk. This guy always scores against us. I wasn't really surprised. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, three minutes left. Um, Brock Nelson, really gorgeous power play. Like this is a really nice looking power play. They had chances left and right, and Nelson scored on a. You know, the puck was kind of in the middle of the air. His sixth of the season. Another point for Noah Dobson and uh, Matt Barzell to make it one-one. Shots were 15-12 Islanders in the first period. A pretty good period by them. Second period on um, a penalty by uh, Pajo. I believe it was a hold. Uh, Charlie Coyle scored his third of the season, first of the game. That was assisted by Pavel Zaka and David Pashnak. So that made it 2-1 at the end of the period. Shots were 6-5. So not, not, not a lot of action going on. And they're only down one. Uh, a penalty by Oliver Walsh for tripping. 
uh, two minutes in. And then um, really nice play by Simon Holmstrom. We'll talk about him and how good of a penalty killer he is. It, it's been insane. But uh, two-on-one, has a really nice pass, and even better finish by Holmstrom for his fourth of the year. That might be – is he close to more than last year? Because how many did he get last year? Let's see. Um, he got he got six last year, so he's already halfway there. Um, then I mean the power play was still existing, obviously. So David Pasternak scored his tenth, assisted by Brad Marchand and Kevin Shattenkirk. Six minutes later, Charlie Coyle got his second, assisted by Trent Frederick and JVR. And then we pulled the goalie with like two o three. Can we get anything going? And Coyle with uh, his third of the game, which is an empty netter and the hat trick, and that was the game. Uh, 17-9 Bruin shots with that period, so 35-29. Islanders won the faceoff battle, 29-23. We're one for one on the power play. Um, Strokin with 30 saves on 34 shots. Um, and yeah, you know, I thought they played well again. If you know, maybe if Pellet plays, it's a little different. Um, maybe if Engvall plays. It might be a lot different, but I thought some guys looked good today, and I thought some guys looked really bad, and uh, we can get into that right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, before we get into Southgate, it's like <laughs> the, the first line looked pretty good. The first line looked pretty good. The Barzal Horvat, Wallstrom line had moments where they're clicking, they're finding Dobson. Barzal is doing those cool little shovel passes along the board to get to the defenseman. Scott Mayfield was carrying some stuff. You know, I've been seeing people throw the game on Sorokin. If you see people throwing the game on Sorokin, 95% of the time it is not Ilya Sorokin's fault, and even that 5% of the time it's debatable. You don't throw this one on Sorokin. Um, He got hung out to dry on two of the goals. That doesn't mean he should have, like, you know. The other two are goals that he could have, not ones he should have, but then the other two goals were just like his teammates were being idiots. He deserves to, like, you know fight them. Um, but yeah, Bolduke, I don't want to see this guy in the lineup anymore. Self, uh, Pellick selfishly decided to be pregnant. Um, I, I hope he enjoys his day, but that was reported very weird. Did, did you guys see that gross and Rosner both put out today? Yeah. Pellick has a lower body injury. His wife's on Instagram posting. They just had a kid. And I was just like, why are we reporting it? Like it's an actual injury. Like he's just taking well, the night uh, well, off Lane, of his father. Lane said it was an injury too. Lane's like, Oh, it's the same issue, but like, I don't know. I, I think he would have played. He didn't look didn't, out of. He didn't look hurt at all. And like Scotty looks hurt. I I will admit that. But Pellick looked fine the other day. Yeah. So I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's weird. But Scotty Scotty looks hurt. That that's one thing I've noticed. And he can't carry a pair. I mean, maybe with Aho he could. Uh, but not with Bolduc. Bolduc is. I, I don't even know what to call Sam Bolug. I had such high hopes for what he could become, but I, I think he was golfing with Dobson or something. Or if he was golfing with Dobson, he'd probably be awesome right now. I don't know what this kid was doing all summer. Um, I, probably... I still do have high hopes. He's just not NHL ready. He's, just He's not, not close. I mean, yeah. It, I, the thing, yeah. You I, 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 I tweeted this. Um, they actually trust him to play tonight. Got 15 minutes, but looked awful in those 15 minutes. I thought. <laughs> The second period he was good, but the third period is just dreadful. He's just he doesn't he doesn't he has the size to be a good. He's six four. He got forty points in Bridgeport last year. I think the offense will come. You know he's had a few decent shots on that um, past two games he's played, but defensively he has no idea what he's doing. It's, I I have a question for he you. He is guys. a dumbass. 
Do you guys buy into the whole uh, disconnect between Lou and Lane thing? B- Bulldog makes. Oh yeah, that was that was something I saw today. No, give me a break with that. That's like, I don't know. I think they thought Bulldog was further along than he actually was. Um, I I don't really think that you know I don't think the coach is like pl- stapling Bulldog to the bench. Um, but I did I, see some of that today. I yeah. you know. I, I I saw it. I mean, I I've seen it a lot with with Bullduke for for a, a decent amount of time now, and I I I really don't uh, buy into that. I mean, the options are are limited right now. I mean, as as to who we can really put out there, Bull, is Bullduke the best option? Probably he, not. He kind of no. <laughs> he kind of looks uh, terrible, but I, I but the options are are limited in in my opinion. I I mean. I don't know. I, I I just he did look bad tonight. I I always think about when he started last year. He had like four games with an a hundred percent goals for percentage on <laughs> ice, and I was like, oh, this guy. You know, maybe he maybe we got something here. And then Devon Taves part two was my first thought once I yeah. saw that stand. I was like, yeah, we're doing it again. Let's do it. <laughs> Seriously. And then I think shortly after that, his number. I mean, obviously that was like the smallest sample size possible. I just thought it was interesting. And then it's not and it, like things started to even out, and he started to to be kind of who we're, we're seeing today. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know what his career trajectory really looks like. I, I, I mean, it seems like he's getting sheltered and in those sheltered minutes, it's, uh, I don't really have like quality of opponent stats on me, but I mean, he's only playing six, seven minutes a night. I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know where he ends up in his career, but right now I, he definitely does not have, have it in him to, to be a regular. The you problem is from a sundown too. That's the problem. They don't yeah. trust him. They don't trust him to play, but they also don't want to put him on waivers. And that's what the problem is. So, so you just, you, you just kind of, who wants Sam Bolduc right now? I, you I think, could probably sell someone on Sam Bolduc. I, I think, uh, through the Island pod had a good tweet about that. They were like, <laughs> <laughs> he said something like, uh, how how they have they considered that he just sucks and that it's okay <laughs> if he gets uh, acclaimed? Yeah, <laughs> like it's kind of an asset. I mean, Solo sucks, but like the difference between hey. Solo and Boldu, what what's hey? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He's for horses. Yeah, but um, no, like Solo sucks, but it's just like, who do we have down there? We have Grant, who was pretty whatever with Tara a couple of years ago. Um, Grant Hutton. Yeah, he's nothing. Um. Yeah, we don't really have anything in the pipeline. And this is something that if you want to point a finger at Lou, I know people who like root for teams like, you know, the Bruins and Leafs. And um, they always would complain the past couple of years about defensive depth. And I was like, oh, the Islanders are pretty good. They're six deep on defense. And they they would always be like, yeah, but who's their seventh? And I'd be like, oh, their seventh isn't that good. Who's their eighth? Oh, their eighth isn't that good. So if they have two defensive injuries, they're, they're kind of screwed at that point. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. So the Islanders will just never get injured. Now that the Islanders are getting injured constantly and the seventh defenseman slotting in is Bolduc, who's not playing well ever, um, it's just hard. Romanov doesn't look right. Something's off with him. I don't know if it's an injury-related thing or if him and Pulak are just suffering from regression right now. Um, I think it's the injury thing because he's not blowing guys up like he used to. I think he's starting to project more towards, like, you know, a very low-end second left-handed defenseman to a high-end third left-handed defenseman, which kind of stinks if we traded a first-round pick for that. But 
Rami still has plenty of time left. He's 23. It's just he's he's had a bad start to the season. Um, Pulak has stagnated to the highest extent. I thought he was going to shoot again, but he doesn't really shoot. Um, and, yeah, it's just Dobson kind of carrying the load on the back end. That That's something I want to ask, Zach, with uh, the data and everything. How does the defense look? Was last year, like, just an extreme outlier for all of these guys, or is this something that they can repeat this year? I was, I was just uh... – I was just looking at some some Noah Dobson data actually. I I I I got a I use evolving hockey big time for their they do a really good job isolating like player impacts. That's probably the biggest thing that I'm personally lacking and it's something I wanted to try to do over the summer but I didn't really have a ton of time to do it, but um they they do a great job. That's like with all the Rapham charts, those are all like they do their best to isolate all these players impact on on certain variables and i was just looking at uh i was looking at dobson and uh the the defense there it doesn't it doesn't seem to be uh as high as we would hope on in on that sense but his all his offensive numbers are looking really really solid right now which i think uh i i personally am totally fine with that i mean obviously if he's getting caved in like crazy like last year um, it makes it a little less palatable, but it, it looks like his offense is, has taken a leap from last year, um, to a little, and his defense has also improved, which is, which is super nice to see. Um, I know, I mean, I, I feel like, uh, a couple guys last year had some, some rough years. I don't really know where I'm pretty sure Pulak is, is looking pretty, pretty bad this year in in the isolated stats department unfortunately I'm pulling, yeah he's he's got a lot of his uh yeah. his bars in the red which is not what you want to see as a, a hockey twitter user that'll that'll lose you an argument um, oh it's over once you see the red bars yeah. <laughs> that's the thing the analytics community did really like ryan pulak at a point and then he signed his contract and then sure. it, kind of went, it went the other way but the other thing is pulak was the number one shooting defenseman on the team and now he's not generating X, you know, kind of expected goals for in the way he used to. He's not even shooting it or trying to put it on net with that, you know, hammer of a shot he has. Um, and I think by a lot of the models, I know Dom's model is super negative on him. The, the models that less way offense for defensemen, they're a little bit more fair to him, but he, he's taken a deep dive. And I think putting Romanov with him did hurt his defensive impacts to an extent. Yep. I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't. But put him back uh, I mean, like, that's kind of just what you got to do with the roster you have. I feel. Yeah, it's you're either gonna go Romanov and Mayfield, which could work again, and put Aho with Pulak. Maybe that's a solution. I wouldn't hate to see that again. Uh, but you know, Romanov and Mayfield weren't very good together. Um, but then Pelik and Dobson, I think, has been very good for what it is. Um, anything? Uh-oh. Anything? Interesting on the Rapums. Aho quietly having a very very good season on on the Rapums. He's got a his 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 expected goals against impact is is I would assume one of the highest in the league. I don't have the table up right now, but he's he looks honestly really. And it was the same thing last year too. As much as he got uh you know a lot of a lot of hate for a lot of the things he did and and the whole falling thing and everything. I mean, everything I saw from him last year, I kind of had, like, I I had fun poking fun at him too. Sometimes like it's, it's good to get some posts off about it, but 
I mean, he Pat so far last year and this year, he's honestly looking like a very serviceable defenseman. I the, and I don't know if you guys agree with with a little more of the eye test uh, like mixed in too, but he's looking good in in the charts this year. And and I was actually I was texting our chat about it about about our boy Matt uh, Barzal his his uh, <laughs> impact on unexpected goals. Uh, is looking like one of the worst in the league right now, which expected goals against. So that's just showing his uh, his defense is is maybe not all there, but but yeah, that's uh yeah, and that's that's kind of one of the things. One of the gaps I tried to bridge with a lot of the talking about analytics online, and it, it is me coming across as a hater of most of the people because that some people, not Zach, and this does not reflect the opinions of stats by Zach. Uh, I think are very annoying online. I think they have an annoying online presence uh, there. I'll say it, uh, but like you know, overall, I think for the most part. part um, the data is good. It's in a place where for a public model, it's in a pretty good spot. However, there are still, I like to call them Julius Hunkas, which are guys who their charts look very good because of limited minutes. You could also call this an Alexander Barry Belay, uh, where they play oh, like six yeah. minutes a year and they go right up to the top of all the analytics uh, rankings if you're percentile based or, you know, compared to the rest of the league because you have like six really strong minutes a game for like two weeks and they have no way of like kind of disclaiming that without uh, writing in a tweet, but then it'll always seem like propaganda or something. But like I, that's something I take right in. So with Aho, I've kind of observed at this point. That's what I'm kind of alluding to a minute ago. You might want to put this guy in your top four with Pulak because like he's playing a really analytically sound game. I think the same thing with Simon Holmstrom. I think those results are legitimate. Um, I know Wallstrom had really positive defensive impacts, I think, a couple the past couple seasons. He has. He has. It, it never really matched the eye test. I think winger defense is a little bit of a crapshoot, unless like there's not much of a difference between Pat Kane and Mark Stone, I think. I think that like 30% to 75 is pretty close, but you know, that's that's kind of my take on that. Um aside from that, yeah, I mean like Aho is closer to the top four. I think you have to cut Rami's minutes back a little bit until you figure it out. When he was blowing guys up last year, it was sick. But like, and when him and Pulak were clicking together, it was sick. But I think with whatever this regression is, him and Pulak aren't working right now. Yep. And quick caveat, I actually was looking at the wrong season for Aho, but when I switch over to this year, it's not as good as last year. I, I did notice that right after I said it all, but it still is is probably better than than most people would think uh, his his impacts. But I mean, I agree. And uh, uh, yeah, to your to your point more so about the the whole analytics space. I I do think what we have now. I, I think uh, the the evolving hockey models are in and also the ineffective math are both uh, or the hockey viz. They're probably both my favorite. Uh, they do a really good job of accounting for, you know, some of those strange, uh, I guess you can say samples like as you, like Barre Boulay, who everyone sees like, oh, wait, this guy's got like a 90 percent war. But then after like a second of investigating it, uh, you see he played like five minutes and and was maybe on ice for like three high danger chances. And and that just inflates his numbers. But I feel like you see a little less of that, like on the wrap charts and everything, which is which is good. It kind of helps you, you know, navigate which players might be just like a fluke and, and who's actually playing up to it. And uh, factoring in time on ice, like if you're just looking through tables is so important too. like you really got to understand like the sample size for some of these guys. But 
but yeah, there there are really a lot of good good tools out there now that that make it easier to understand. But it's all about blending it. You got to blend maybe a little with the eye test to get the full uh, the full you know performance of of a certain guy. I think Ajo's been incredible this year. Just watching him, I don't think Ramon has been as bad as you know what people are saying and what you know what we're seeing. But I do think he's. I don't know if he's hurt. But he might be, you know, not wanting to risk getting hurt again. And that's why he's not hitting people because he hasn't hit anyone all year, it seems like. Um, and I'm not even saying it boomsticks. Like, he hasn't hit someone all season, I think. I haven't I haven't seen it. I think Ajo's been very good. Um, he's obviously on the top pair right now. When Pelic's back, I don't know. Um, back to... You know, Bolduke, and there's no one in Bridgeport we can call up, man. There's just not. It's it's Helgeson, uh, Travis Mitchell, Aiden Fulp, Robin Sow, Grant Hutton, Paul Adu, Dennis Jalai. It's just not good enough. It feels really weird to bitch about this, but I really wish we brought Parker Weatherspoon back. He's the perfect seventh defenseman. People in Boston, he got scratched there, but people in Boston really like what he's brought because um, they have like four defensemen out. He's just, he doesn't make a mistake in the D zone, doesn't do anything offensively. I, I think that's what you need right now. Um, Bulldog just, we yeah, can we can move that, on. That was, that was good. You, that's a good point. I mean, Parker was so good at that last year, just being able to like slot into the lineup and make sure nothing happened for like nine minutes a night. Arguably one of those small sample analytic guys I was talking about. I mean, he had he had some really good uh, some really good on ice metrics from what I can recall. And I remember letting when we uh, when when we didn't get him back, I was I was a little a little confused. Maybe I mean I I think anyone could have seen uh, this kind of scenario playing out with the lack the lack of defensive depth. Um, so I feel like he probably could have been a good guy to stick around, but. I mean, then you got to kind of think like it's kind of like the Mike Riley situation. Like he is getting scratched. But I mean, Boston, it's a whole different, I guess, atmosphere, a whole different situation. Um, he, he is getting scratched. So you're like, how much are we really missing out on? But still, I, I do think he would have been you know, nice to have uh, on this team just to have as a, an extra guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing. Boston, they, they do seem to value him a little bit for what he does. And Boston's been a team that even when that I think their response to when we went and played them in the playoffs and Cal Palmieri personal made, personally made it his mission to kill three of their defensemen uh, as we won that series against Boston a few years back. I think they made sure they have a very deep, deep, deep pipeline in case that ever happens again. Jake, what was that? What was Buddy's name? He went to the Rangers right after the bald guy uh, that Boston had to run in that series. Who? Um... The the depth defenseman. He stunk. Let me look it up. He went to the Rangers the next year when they made their deep playoff run, and all their all their fans complained about him constantly. <laughs> what year was What year was this? He was on the twenty. He was on the twenty one Bru- Bruins, but then he went to the twenty two New York Rangers. Let me let me pull it up quick. He was a bum. You, you'd know him. You're gonna laugh when I say his name. Oh, Tenorti. Tenorti. There we go. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, Tenorti. <laughs> that guy stunk. But yeah, no, it's like they. I think they over 
are correct and just make sure they have a ton of defensive depth. That's something I don't think Lane's done a good job at addressing, or Lou has done a good job at addressing, but I, I don't think Lane is cutting off, you know, Samuel Bolduc, uh, despite Lou Lamorello. And if that was the case, I think knowing kind of what we know about Lou, Lane will be out of there. Uh, but that kind of takes us into Lane Gate. Jake, I'm going to give you the floor here. What do you think Lane Lambert sucks? Oh, it's so bad. This wouldn't be a problem if Greg Wyshynski wasn't at the game. But he was, and he took the picture. Number one, the po- that's such a joke of a podium. We're home. It's a beer pong ha- table. Have, have a coach, like, have a real podium, please. Um, Sox are pretty dreadful. He's had some questionable fits. Um, and I, I would forgive him if he was a good coach, but I, I don't think we can say he is right now. Um. Yeah, socks are pretty dreadful. I don't have a lot of thoughts on it. I think it's really funny. Uh, the meme is everywhere. It's not doing him any favors. Um, it's not doing us any favors. Just did you see? Did you see all the men's fashion Twitter accounts weighing in on midcap <laughs> no. socks and power? No. I saw this uh, this one men's fashion account on Twitter that put out a little thread about how uh, bosses wearing mid calf socks is not a powerful look and it does not assert authority. I thought that was that was pretty sick to know that our coach of our hockey team is uh, getting made fun of by fashion Twitter. Um, oh, Lane Lambert, I'm I don't I'd like the discourse around him has become so toxic. I think he's better than Wade. I think he's probably around wherever Cappy was without being as eccentric. Uh, the Cappy teams were also carried by, you know, number 91, who was a much better talent than anyone not named Elias Sorokin on this team, um, honestly. But, like, you know, those teams were carried by one guy for a while. So from a coaching perspective, I think Lane is pretty much probably, like, bottom 10 coaches in the league at the moment. I'm finally being swayed towards this, that he's he's not really in control of what's happening. He's more a passenger than a pilot. Um, where do you guys sit? Like, if, if Lane's fired tomorrow, are you upset? Like, do you give me some odds that he gets fired within the next month? Just the big thing is, is who replaces him is always what I think of. And, I mean, I'm sure people have the thought, like, oh, could it get worse than this? Like, probably. Yeah, I, I think so. Um. I, I don't I, I see some people bringing up some some banned people to to maybe take his position, which is a truly deranged people yeah, on the Internet who are like as as a second story is coming out about the, the Chicago Blackhawks oh, it's so uh, that they're like, yeah, it's time to bring Quinville back. What in your right mind makes you think Gary Batman's like, yeah, now is the time now yeah. that now that the to the Islanders of all teams, if he, if he wasn't going to let him go to the Rangers, he's not going to let him go to the Islanders, first of all. Yeah, and this is also like when Kerr's the other summer was like, is it time for the Islanders to bring back Babcock? And I'm like, no, no, it wasn't. We did the same thing a year ago. What are we doing here? Um, that That's what got Kerr's on my shit list in the first place, that he was starting that rumor. And I was like, what are we doing here? Why do we need to do this? Like, there were some okay, like, Dar- even Daryl Sutter is a bad choice. Like, that was a great Bud Lightly Man tweet, if you're if you're listening to this. Um, but, like, it, it's a great tweet where he was like, guy who wants Oliver Wallstrom to succeed, hey, it's time to hire Daryl Sutter. <laughs> like, come on, what are we doing here? All of these guys hate young people. Like, it might optimize our window to win a cup or even contend for a cup in the next two years to get back to that Eastern Conference final. But there's... I. I, it's on. It's not a hopeless situation. I guess the hope is that Lane is able to turn the situation around, or whoever comes in, you know, and coaches this team through the end of the year. But if if you're praying for another Hall of Fame coach to walk through that door and fix this, I, I got some real estate to sell you in Idaho. 
yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, it's like you think about it from an, an organizational standpoint, too, where you took like a chance on hiring. I mean, he's obviously been in the system. He, he knew the system. So he was kind of like, oh, he's going to be the next guy up. But he's a new head coach. He was never a head coach before this, and I think if they let him go this early, they'd kind of be like, well, why would we do that, and what are they going to do, bring in another brand-new coach uh, that hasn't coached before and have the same thing happen? Like, it just doesn't make sense, I feel like, in their minds, um, like, and, like, and then, like, lose mind, I guess. I don't, I, I don't know what, what the answer is. Obviously, I don't think he's, he's the best, but I, it's just – if you're going to say fire him, like come with a plan, think of someone uh, that isn't one of the worst people in the universe. Like, I, I don't know. That's just where I, what I think about it. I still have not seen someone come up with a better replacement. I just, I, I'm seeing I, people I come up with DJ Smith tonight. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing it right now. 50 likes on a tweet saying like, let's go get DJ Smith. And I'm like, what are we doing here? Like he's not even, he's not even fired yet. And once he is, no. He just met them pretty sure one tonight. Did Ottawa open tonight? I don't know. Oh, well, they won yesterday, obviously. No, they lost five two to the Canucks. All right, it's it's DJ over. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess it's it's getting messy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shy away from that, especially after tonight. There's, I mean, I feel like he's just doing stuff to make a headline. But I feel a lot better if there's someone. I, just, I don't think there's someone out there. I would like. I mean. You said this the other day. Mike Pekka, I think, would be a great hire, but the Rangers are not going to let us interview him in the middle of the season when they're ten and whatever they are, ten and three right now. It's just not going to happen. Same with Travis Green and the Devils. That that was a guy yeah. who was, uh, ties with Long Island uh, in the off season. We hired Lane. I want Travis Green. I mean, I'm, I see people saying Claude Julien, which is like you know that's fine. that's fine. That's fine. That's if if you want to come out with me with Claude Julien, I'll be like, okay, that's okay. But you know, Claude Julien hasn't coached in the league since the the early or before the Delta variant of the coronavirus. So it's, it's been, it's been a while since Claude's coach Bruce. I'm like, that's a terrible idea. Like <laughs> might as well just become Canucks East at that, that point and trade for yeah. all the Canucks. But oh, yeah. Speaking, I, speaking of Canucks, can we stop with this bow back to the Island crap? Shut, shut the fuck up. Yeah. We're not getting, we're not getting reference. Uh, he's on the hot seat and might be, if you haven't heard about this, cause we do have listeners that aren't on Twitter constantly and don't have uh, me and Jake's brain virus, but like there are people out there that are like, you know, don't aren't on Twitter all day. Uh, Beauvillier is on the trade block in Vancouver and there, there's a chance he could come back to, or not chance, but there's a chance that he'll be traded before the deadline. Get him for the fourth line. Okay. Dumbass. And how are we fitting his $4.1 million on the cap? I forgot he's getting paid that much. That, that's a it expires this year, year. But, but still, no. 1.3 involves. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that is genuinely a shock. I, I forgot he got that contract. That's a, I didn't think it was bad at the time. No, me either. He, awesome playoff run, and then yeah, know, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. PDO Hughes over we did win the trade. That, that, that cannot be doubted. We've won the trade thus far. At what cost? Oh, we'll absolutely. see. It's just, yeah, I mean, look, Bo is doing everything. Bo is my favorite of the forwards right now. Like, I'm just like, I'm like, okay, Bo Horvat, I see him trying everything, everything to get goals, and it's not coming for him. And eventually he'll go on, like, a bender for a week or something. It's coming. He's almost point per game, though. Yeah, he's almost point per game, but I just mean goal-wise. 9-11's pretty good. Yeah. No, no, he's good. 
my favorite forward might be Holmes for me. Really, really I, I was just gonna say yeah, too. I, I think I'm there. I'm with you there. He's he's been it's, it's, awesome. It's been remarkable. And that that's a guy who responded well to a scratching. He um Lane Lane criticized him at the press conference. Says he has to shoot more. Scratched him for Julian Gautier, and he's been one of the guys with like so much confidence since then. He's been shooting the puck all over. He's been so so good with his stick, so good in the penalty kill. He's been awesome, and I understand people want to see him on the first line, but he's been so good with Pajot. Why would you want to screw that up? Yeah, I mean, Pajot has the hand situation. I don't yeah, know if he's yes. ever getting a shot back. But like, like Bruins fans coming into the night were like, yeah, Pajot always kills us. What's up with him? And he just he can't get, you know, we can't get his, you know, the stick on the puck, like, it's brutal. He just can't raise the puck when he has it. He can't get a stick on it. It's uh, it's tough for JJP. I, I know his underlines are coming out real bad at the moment from what I saw. Yeah. So yeah, Loki not, not a, good a, a good analytical profile for the past two seasons, two or three seasons now, honestly. I think it's is, three. I think yeah, it, it definitely is, which is a little concerning. But uh, what, what does he have left on that deal? Is it uh, two 20, years? 2025, 20, 2026. 20, oh, okay. Expiry in 26? No. Okay, let me. Let, uh, me, let, let me double check. I, I think it's This year, 25. next year, and the year after that. So he's got three uh, that's, yeah. It's not the worst contract on the team. No, it's not. No, and we'll get to him now. I mean, you know, we'll we'll talk about I mean, we already talked about Pulak a little bit. I think Pulak's salvageable. I think Pajo no, this is the Pulak. optimal setup for Pajo with Simon Holmstrom, which, you know, if you wanna I, I was okay with Wallstrom's game the tonight and he, he also responded well to a benching, um, which, you know, by that logic, Pierre Engel's getting two on Saturday, book it, but like mm-hmm. It's it's kind of the thing to say is Anders Lee would have to be the worst contract on the team. And no, I've no. been denying it all summer. I was denying it. And I, I know like it, it, it probably got grading too as a listener and AJ and I always fought about it. And like, it's just, it's something we have to accept at this point. He's lost a step. He, he's not going to be the player he was. Um, I still, you know, as, as weird as it might say, it's still, he's probably going to wind up with like 20 goals, 20 assists for like, 38 points he'll probably it'll come eventually 35 points maybe but man he looks slow and he looks bad and it's just he can't run from it anymore uh this is it's it's time to send to the glue factory i think it's way over yeah on dover i don't want to i mean yeah i mean it's no secret i'm not a league guy i've never been but this is bad like i'm not rooting for him to suck obviously but it's been it's been dreadful He's got two points in 12 games. He's been on three different lines, and each time he's put on that line, it has not resulted in the success of that line. He's making $7 million. He looks slow. He's losing board battles. He he doesn't look good. And he's got four years left at $7 million. It's bad. It's bad. It's – and you can't scratch your captain. I guess you can, but how bad of a look is that? What does that? What does that solve? He's I, best I, served I, I, on the fourth I, line, I think. I, yeah, and then you have a seven million dollar winger on your fourth line. It's just, it's, it's I don't know what to do, and they don't know what. To, there's nothing to do. You kind of just have to, you know, have them tread over. I just, it's just, it's not a good. A buyout is coming. I guarantee you. If this, if this continues, 
they will buy him out this summer. But you're not buying it. You're not buying him out right now. You're not buying him out in December. You're not buying. You have to just figure out a way to use him this year. And they've tried it three different ways, and it hasn't worked in any of them. Huh. A Pajo buyout's actually team friendly too. Another little masterclass for these deals. I, I haven't looked into that. I just looked at the Pajo one oh, for the first oh, time. Oh baby, it's it's two point two, two point seven, one point two, one point two. Once so Danny never, Nelson's ready, get out. Yeah, maybe maybe the year <laughs> after. But then, oh my God, Danny Nelson, I can't wait for the day. Um, Anders is also very bio friendly because this was this was what was probably going to happen with Anders Lee. We expected he would either his body would burn out or he would go to LTIR or you know something would happen at the end. I don't want that to happen. I want him to catch the second wind here and you know go on a goal streak or something. And we're still going to hold out hope for him. But I think now and sadly, Adel will have a ton of to say about this next episode. But <laughs> we'll throw the white flag at this point on Anders Lee. We'll declare it 11 p.m. on November 9th. If we talk about Anders Lee like a guy who's washed up, I, I think there's like not really much coming back from that. Jake, are you in agreement? Yeah, I think he's done. I think um, we can talk about him like that. Zach, this does not stand for you, but just for hosts of the podcast, that it will all be in agreement. Anders Lee's lost a step. It's um, it's also it's crazy to think about. Like he he tore that ATL. Uh, that was twenty one, right? Or or was that? 20- it was. Yeah, it was twenty one. Yeah, I, and you think about how big of a loss that was at the time. Like just a couple years ago. I mean. He he went out and everyone was like scrambling, like, oh, what's that top line gonna do? Like he was, I mean, he was just such a a presence having him net front playing with Barzal. Like it, it was, he was a game changer out there. And then it's just, I mean, that's just the aging curve, though. As as these guys get older, and uh, it, like he's obviously gonna lose a step, but it's it's just it's so I I always have a tough time wrapping my head around some of these guys that just fall off so quick like that. Even like Bailey too, you see it happen. It's it's crazy. I look at Anders yeah. Lee, all 40 goals of the 17-18 season, and I cry. <laughs> I it is As my the, the, it's so is. it's so different. It's the ACL. We know that. Oh, but yeah. it, it's sad. It's sad as shit, man. It, it sucks. Is. It does. Um, and he's lost yeah, he's lost so much. Like I, I think the problem's also compounded by Pajo just not having chemistry with him at all. Um, like you could probably stow him on a third line for most teams. However, Pajot and him just have negative chemistry. They they just play like assholes when they're out there together. So it's like there's nowhere to hide Anders unless you want to just make him the seven million dollar Matt Martin. Um, which I think, you know, just from a if if we're doing sunken cost fallacy and everything, like if it's a sunken cost, don't don't care about the cap hit. Just play him in the best spot for him. And I think that's the best spot for him right now. Yeah, I, I guess unless I, you're gonna scratch him, but I think I also don't come at me with goatee is a better option there. He, he might shut your mouth. I, I don't want to do that. It's not fun. It's a dumb conversation to have. Um, I think the Martin scratch is gonna come soon. He hasn't been playing a whole lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough, man. It's really it's depressing. Yeah, I know everyone's like, oh, he's he's probably so happy that Lee's back. Like, no, like, what are you talking about? Like, it sucks. Like, I saw it coming. I'm a fucking genius, but it sucks. I'm always saying you're a genius, but yeah, I mean, like, looking at the upcoming schedule, I think there's a good chance that we hit the dreads. Like, this episode was kind of the bends. 
Um, coming up, we play Washington on Saturday, and then we start the West Coast trip. We're going to play a struggling Oilers team tonight. I think they're playing – oh, God, they're playing the Sharks tonight, isn't it, right? That'll be fun. That's right. You know how this goes. Calvin Pickard's going to play against us and get a shutout. I don't know. I feel I feel good about that one. <laughs> uh, we normally do good against the Oilers. We, we do. We normally yeah, play um, against the Oilers. Uh, then the Bowback game on the 15th. Um, yep. We're probably going to have another guest spot next week because I will not be able to make some of the podcasts next weekend. Okay. But um, – Maybe maybe we could record the 13th before I leave. But um, the 15th, 16th, and 17th, we play a struggling crack, or we play a good Canucks team that's on a PDO bender, so maybe Ilya gets hot or something against them. Who knows? Uh, but then we play the Kraken, who are bad so far this year. And then we play Calgary, who are bad so far this year. Hope so even though... Yeah. Yeah, I hope that was fine. Um, we did get that scratch, but like I, th- I think we can, I think we can pull something off here where we can get of these next three games. We're better than four, or on form, we're probably better than four of the teams overall. Um, as a roster, we're probably better than three of them. I think you can probably take more points than you give up there. Um, and then we come back and play the Flyers and Sens to end the month before going against the Devils and Kings again. So I think, I think the. It's not as dark as it seems would be the one thing I want to convey here. They're point out of playoffs. Yeah, they're a point out of the playoffs. And uh, we still have games in hand. I want I want that to be known. Uh, let me be clear. Uh, but, oh, Obama doing the podcast. Let me be clear. Uh, but, like, it's we're, we're pretty close. Everything's everything's fine. We're, we're pretty much keeping pace with the Devils. They just won one more game than us and uh, two more games than us, and then we've dropped some points. But... It's fine. I think everything's gonna be okay in a little bit. We just have to kind of bear with it right now. What's uh, what's your outlooks for the team for the next kind of rest of the month period? Are things really that dire? Uh, look, yeah, looking at the schedule uh, coming up, really for t- till the end of November, I, I'm it doesn't totally move me. Um, I mean, we got we got the West Coast trip. Luckily, we're not playing the Kings because that probably would have been an auto <laughs> loss. They <laughs> own us to. But yeah, you. I mean, the Oilers. Obviously, it's looking it's looking really bad over there, man. It is a uh, my my brother's an Oilers fan, so I, I I like to keep keep tabs on them uh, a little more than other teams, and it is just not looking good over there. That Campbell on waivers was a pretty shocking move, but I mean, definitely warranted. But um, and yeah, you right. mentioned. You mentioned the Vancouver PDO bender. That is, uh, I was actually just reading a a Jay Fresh tweet about it, how they have like the highest one by far ever. Um, So they'll definitely regress uh, on that. And then uh, the Kraken are are whatever too. And the Flames, it's, that's a winnable road trip, I think. Uh, It's nothing really to be too, too scared of, honestly. Um, And yeah, like you said, we are so close. Like we're, we're just out of a playoff spot and, I feel like things like were the worst that that like like the posts and everything were so bad. Like we we were on like a five game point streak, which obviously like I, I was saying like yeah, glass half full. Obviously like we should have won these games, and like you don't want to be like just settling for for like one point when you could have had two and everything. But grand scheme of things, like I mean, it's better than like what the Oilers are going through. It's it's. It's good to to get a point when you can. Obviously, when the alternative is getting zero points, so I don't know. I I I'm still optimistic. I think there's there's some things in 
on the team that are are going to start turning our way and and it should work out. I'm I'm really not hitting the panic button uh, just yet. It's also November, so it would be silly too. Yeah. Late night aisles. That's right. I um I just saw the the LA Kings are playing the Penasons tonight, so <laughs> that'll be fun if our Kings can uh, put some dirt on the Penguins. Penguins in eighth in the Metro. Catching up a little bit with this little Islanders kid, but um, man, I just uh, if we could bury them early, I'd be very happy. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's looking all right, Jake. How are you feeling right now, bud? Yeah, I feel good. Um, I think this was good therapy. I think. I think. That's yeah, good. yeah. Maddie Beneers just got his first goal of the year. Oh uh, yeah, um, Maddie Beneers. This <laughs> guy. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but uh, aside from that, uh, Zach, do you want to plug anything um, right now? I'll give you the floor before we close out. I'm, I'm, I got nothing. I mean, it, follow the account if if you guys would would be so kind. At Stats by Zach, I I have a, a website in my bio where uh, eventually it's gonna start updating again once I figure out my uh, my my data issues going on right now. Um, I'm I'm honestly. I'm pretty much done. It should have it within the next few days uh, back at up to normal operations. And it was my fault. I should have started working on this months ago, but, um, but I didn't. So, so that's where we are now. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a fantastic conversation. I, I definitely hope to, uh, to be on again. And like you said, very good therapy uh, after a, a pretty, pretty deflating three past three games. So yeah, no, thanks for coming on, Zach. You're one of our white whales of guests that we've wanted to get on the pod for a long time, so we're very happy to have you. And if you're an Islanders fan listening at home, I'm going to put Zach over real quick. I mean, it's the it's one of the best follows you'll find on Twitter for Islanders Twitter. Uh, we got to do like a ranking, a definitive ranking at some point. But as far as informational accounts go, you know, there's there's been some pillars of the analytics community to come out of the Islanders space over the past decade or so. But, you know, if you're looking for a rising star in the community, it's Dats by Zach. It's, it's a great follow and i recommend that for anyone um jake anything going on with you before we close out here you know thank you to zach um he's been very helpful for me these these all these numbers are very confusing and you know he he breaks it down very well um so whenever i need to know something i go over to stats by zach i definitely recommend it to everyone um the website looks great so far i can't wait to see um what you do with it and uh thank you for coming on my friend Thank you, guys. Again, I, I do appreciate it. Sounds good. And I'll close out the pod there. So you can follow AJ on Twitter, who wasn't able to make this episode, but he'll be on the next one, at DeVito Hockey. You can follow Jake on Twitter, at Prime Jakey. You can follow me on pr- Twitter, at Rad Martin. You can follow the pod on Twitter, at Skates and Stakes. Uh, we'll maybe be back on Tuesday. If not, AJ and Jake will have the floor to pick a guest that they're choosing for the next episode. Uh, but very excited to like see where the season plays out. Uh, we'll see if Lane Lambert's still the coach. If he gets fired, I, I bet we have to get AJ on for an emergency episode this weekend but i don't see that happening um but yeah no thanks for listening and uh we'll talk to you guys soon see ya